Uh, good morning once again. My name's Michael. I have a nickel. Um, nobody knows that song? My name is Michael. I got a nickel. No? All right. I guess if your name Michael and people call you Mike and your mother makes you sing that song for years, that sticks with you. Uh, so uh, we are in Exodus chapter 32, and I wanted to uh, say one quick announcement before we move on. Ryan Jacobson is here right now, and, uh, and he can fill in the information that I didn't have at 9.30. We have a ministry called Jesus Said Love, and, uh, and it, it's kind of based out of here, but a lot of other ministries and churches in our community do this. It started in Waco. What they do is they send groups of women into uh, strip clubs. Uh, with the uh, permission of the managers. And they go in and they say, look, the church has said really awful things about you for many years, and we want you to know that God loves you. Um, and they bring little bags of sundries and, and different things to them. And they've done this um, three times now, gone into clubs, or two times? Once a month since December, so that's more than that. And um, I saw a, an email update uh, from them uh, this past week, and it was amazing, the stories that, of, of the things that are happening um, by um, our women who are believers going in and saying, look, we're not going to say anything about what you do. What we are going to say is that God loves you. Um, and we're sorry as the church for, for not telling you that the way that we, that we should. Um, and men stand out in the parking lot and pray for our girls as they go in. And it's just been an amazing, amazing um, ministry to see um, people who believe that God wanted nothing to do with them melt under his care. And love um, and just be changed, uh, which is you, you got to ask the question If Jesus were here today. Where would he hang out? Um, he wouldn't be afraid to go into a place like that and tell people that no one else wanted to that. I love you. Uh, so I, I'm proud of our of that ministry of the things that they do. And, and the reason I bring it up is because this coming week end, uh, they are going to deliver hot meals um, to uh, to girls. They're going to take in these lasagnas and, and different things and cookies and um, so we are looking for cookies. We're looking for um, a dozen cookies. If you uh, would like to make them and drop them off here at the church with Jesus said love uh, on there, we would love to love to have that uh, at, to take to those ministries. If you want to know more about it or you want to be involved with it, um, Ryan Jacobson is uh, is the person that you need to speak with. He's the guy always looking very serious in the back uh, during the service with his arms crossed as if to say, I believe nothing you say, Crocker. Uh, now you're changing your looks. Um, so there you go. So uh, how many of you after last week's sermon um, didn't expect to find me here? Okay, so apparently it was just 930. Yeah, some people misunderstood my announcement uh, last week and thought that I was gone. Um, no, we will be here. For those of you that were not here, um, I announced last week that Jenna and I are taking a sabbatical. Um, our family's taking a sabbatical this summer starting the 1st of June. So my last Sunday here will be May 26th, the Memorial Day, and then my first Sunday back will be Labor Day, September 1st. Um, so I'm here until then, um, and then you will not see me, nor do I want to see you um, uh, or hear from me. Somebody's like, are you going to email? No. Can I text you? No. What if someone dies? It depends on who it is. Um, I got a wait system here. You know, uh, if this person dies, no, I can wait. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, so we're going to be gone. Uh, we're going to England. Um, I'm studying at the C.S. Lewis Institute in Oxford. That's right. They let me in. Um, I don't get it either. And, uh, and so we'll be there and just uh, it's going to be a great summer. If you have questions about it, concerns, whatever, and you, you need to talk with me about it, please, please, please come and talk to me. Um, except 
after June 1st because you're not going to get me. Um, there you go. So how many of you took a Sabbath last week after talking about it? How many of you actually rested, took a day to rest? A few of you. Um, Jenna and I on Friday uh, had this great experience where she took the kids to school and, um, and then we, she came home and we didn't have phones or computers. We sat on the couch and watched a marathon of some weird home improvement show on the Home and Garden um, TV network. And it was awesome. It was so great not doing a thing. Looking out to my, because Sunday obviously is not going to be our Sabbath since I work, but looking out to the backyard and seeing the grass that needs to be cut going, not going to happen today. Um, looking at the different things in our home that we need to do and the different things that we're trying to figure out for this summer and going, nope. We're sitting right here. Um, and it was, we commented back and forth multiple times that, why don't we do this more? This is great. I actually like being around you um, type stuff. Uh, and because, you know, there's usually people on top of us at the same time. So it was wonderful. Um, I encourage you to do it. Today, uh, we're talking about Exodus 32. Um, and uh, it's the whole chapter Dave gave us, but I, I chose the first four verses When Moses failed to come back down the mountain right away, the people went to Aaron, look, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. This man, Moses, who brought us here from Egypt has disappeared. We don't know how or what has happened to him. So Aaron said, tell your wives and sons and daughters to take off their gold earrings and then bring them to me. All the people obeyed Aaron and brought him their gold earrings. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down and molded and tooled it into the shape of a calf. The people exclaimed, oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of Egypt. Now, this is the story, obviously, of the golden calf. And it it goes on and gets a little bit worse, right? Uh, They have a big party, start celebrating. Um, Moses is up on the mountain. God's like, oh, no, they didn't. Um, I'm going to just destroy all of them. And Moses is like, but God. What about the covenant you made with Abraham and Jacob? And, you know, remember that whole thing about counting the stars and everything? And God's like, oh, yeah, right. Um, as if God needed reminding. But and so he's like, OK, I won't. But you know what, Moses, I'm kind of disappointed in you, too. And um, this whole thing goes down. Moses goes down the mountain. He's carrying the Torah, the word of God with him in these tablets. And when he sees the people and what they're doing, he throws them to the ground and smashes them into bits. Then he uh, calls out the Levites who become at this moment the special set-apart workers for God. He, uh, they grind the golden calf into fine dust and make people drink it. The Levites go and they slaughter about 3,000 people who are involved in this. And then God later sends a plague upon some others that were involved. This is a serious thing that happened. This is a major event in the history, in our history. And you can go many directions with it. But for me, I I go to a little verse there that may be overlooked. One of the, the, the group of people that they believe, that the rabbis believe were responsible for this golden calf, were, were what's known in Hebrew as the Erev Rav. Erev Rav. The Egyptian rabble. If you remember, when we left Egypt, there was with us. But then it said there's also the Arev Rav, those Egyptian rabble. There was a couple hundred thousand of these people following along that left Egypt to follow with us as we left our journey. 
It was these people that pushed Aaron into making this golden calf. The verse says, Hear Israel, are your gods, as if to say it's not the people of Israel speaking, but someone outside of them. These, this is the one. Now, an interesting thing about this golden calf, we have been talking since we left Egypt about the reshaping of our identity. That God has been over and over and over again telling the people of Israel, you're my children, you are free, you are not slaves. You're my children, you are free, you are not slaves. This is how you worship me. This is how you pray to me. This is how I want you to interact with me because you don't know. And so I'm trying to teach you how to be in relationship with me. How to understand and live into the sense that you are a son, a daughter of mine. Over and over and over again. Back up to the plagues. In the plagues, we, we, we juxtaposed Egyptian gods with the plagues that, was sent, that were sent. The plagues all corresponded with one of the many Egyptian gods. Sometimes many of them at one plague. There is a plague of the livestock when God goes and he slaughters the cows. There's a god by the name of Hawthorne. Hawthorne was worshipped in the form of a, wait for it, golden calf. Who saw that coming? The people are returning to what they knew. When Moses doesn't come back, they freak out, have no idea. Oh my gosh, we're lost in the desert. The guy who was leading us is gone. What do we do? Let's go back to what we know. Let's go back to an old habit and bring it forward. Here it is. This is what's going to deliver us from the desert. This golden cow. Now, when Moses went up the mountain, he goes, hey, I'm going to be gone for 40 days. And he leaves about midday. The rabbis suggest that. First day didn't count. That it was a full 40 days that he was to be he was to be on the mountain. So when he did not come home, they believed that he would come home at midday on that 40th day. And that was just a misunderstanding of what he said. That's when they started freaking out. Why? Because since they had left Egypt. Their interactions with God were through Moses. Moses was the one who was raising his arms to part the sea. Moses was the one who held his staff up so that they would win the battle. Moses was the guy who had encounters, encounters with God. So when he didn't come back, they flipped out. They, they misunderstood their relationship and how they interact with God. And they're like, we, we have to have something. If Moses isn't here, put something in place of Moses so that we can worship God. Now, the problem that God had with the majority of the people, because if only 3,000 people were killed, that is a, minute, that's a lot of people, but it's a minute percentage of the amount of people that were there. But God was mad at all of them. Why? Because they went along. They acquiesced. They allowed it to happen. Down the hall, we have a group of eighth graders being confirmed. Confirmation is a rite of passage in 
um, in churches in which you go from a faith that is driven by your parents and by the elders of the church to stepping in and saying, this is now my faith. I am responsible for my faith. There was this Methodist church that uh, was experiencing um, a mouse problem. Like all these mice were showing up at the church and they brought in these exterminators and, and tried all sorts of things, traps. They even got a cat and, also, and they just couldn't get rid of the mice. Finally, this old retired uh, Methodist pastor walks in and he goes, well, you know what you need to do? I'm like what? You need to confirm them. Because once you confirm them, they're never coming back. It's a big joke kills at pastoral conferences. And then we all start crying because a lot of times it's true. When we take ownership of our faith, a lot of times we drop it. It's so much easier to have someone else steer our faith for us. It's so much easier to have someone else tell us what to do in the terms of faith, how to do it, when to do it, than it is to take it upon ourselves. It's, it's easier to, to believe what we are told rather than to investigate and study and listen for God's voice ourselves. How often do we fall into this crowd mentality and we get swarmed like the people of Israel did and we just go, that guy's really loud and he's saying stuff and he's on TV and so it must be right and all these people are following them and so we just believe and we want not to take ownership. Of our faith. It's easier to have someone else drive our faith for us. But that's not what God intends for us. God doesn't want that. God doesn't want you to, your only movement in faith is what I say on Sunday morning. Lord help you. Ha, ha, me. I can barely drive my own ship, I can't drive all of ours. If you're looking to someone else to be that person that tells you exactly what to think and when to think it and what God wants for you in your life. Michael, what does God want for me in my life? I don't know. Have you talked to him? Have you listened? Have you investigated? It's so easy to look for the golden calf. We do this in so many areas of our lives. But with faith, this personal thing. This beautifully wonderful thing. Yes, it's about an individual relationship with you and God, but it's, just, it's done inside of community. I can't be who you are for God. God created you to be who you are for him. God created you to move in the ways that you move, to bring a special point of light for him into a world of darkness that I could never bring. He did it for you. You're the one. When Jesus Christ gave us a great commission, he didn't go, okay, there's going to be 10 of you over here, and I want you 10 to go into the world and to make disciples of all people. No, it was a you. You who believe in me, you who are my disciples, Go. Into the world. Don't wait for someone to lead you. Go. I have heard a few people say, 
because of my sabbatical, that they will be back in September. And that breaks my heart. It feeds my ego, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you will. But then it hurts. It hurts because this should not matter. When I am gone, Jesus is still here. We still worship the same. We still move forward in the way that God longs for us to move forward. I long, I I mean, I I tell you, we've lined up who's speaking this summer. I actually kind of want to be here to hear some of these people that are coming. I'm not going to be, but I'll probably listen online. We've got some heavy swingers coming in this summer. It's going to be an awesome summer. But the point I'm trying to make is that it's our faith. Your faith. It is you. You take ownership. We take ownership of our faith. Set aside, destroy that golden calf, whatever it is. And move into the path that God longs for you to move. You are the hope of the world. You are the ones who are going to tell those people who have never heard that God loves them, that he loves them. You are the ones who are going to end hunger. You are the ones who are going to bring clean water to a world because God said, take care of those who can't take care of themselves. You are the ones who are going to sit and hold hands with someone as their spouse is dying. You are the ones who are going to reach out across the street to a neighbor who seems lost and to just be Jesus for them. You are the ones who are going to change the world. Let's take ownership of our faith. And let's move into a world in such mighty ways that people know the love of Christ. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of life that you have given us. The gift of life through the death of your Son, through his resurrection, and through his promise that he will come again to bring restoration to all things. Father, help us to know that just not with our head and just not because somebody says it, but because it's a part of who we are. That we know to the very core of who we are, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Give us the strength to move into a world of darkness and to bring your light with us. Wherever we may be, whomever we may come in contact with, Lord. Let us be you for the world. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.